And it's a State of Bullshit podcast, and we are back. This is episode 89. Yeah. yeah, 89. Okay, we're back. All right. So it's Jesse, myself, Gabe, and we actually have a special guest, friend of the show. I hate saying that now. That's so horrible. Mike, <laughs> the unapologetic apologist. Yeah. How you doing, Mike? Good. How are you? This guy just Thanks for yes. having me on. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> so normally we start, Mike, with... Uh, how you doing, Jesse? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing, Gabe? You're fucking annoying. <laughs> What's going on, Mike? How are you doing? I am doing swell, thank you. Jesus Christ, y'all are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Yet again, we ran into this problem. Jesse, we go over this every fucking week. What? Ask me how I'm doing, my I did ask you how you're doing. No, you did. I said I'm doing good, Gabe. How you doing? Fuck you. Hey, Gabe, we, how are you? My God, Mike. See, thank you, Mike. Oh my God, I'm all done. I'm doing pretty fantastic. I'm pretty excited about our podcast today. Clip this out just to try and prove me. I ain't wrong. gonna clip shit out. As everyone can hear, I've been extremely annoyed for the last about 15 minutes, at minimum, because Jesse and Mike is not a good combo here. I'm sorry. This is not Mike's voice. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sorry at all. So we brought Mike here today to speak on Christian apologetics. Yeah. Now, if anyone's out there like me, which I hope you are, I don't know what the fuck that is. So can you start, Mike, with explaining what is apologetics exactly? Yeah, so the term apologist apologetics has kind of become synonymous now with Christian apologetics. But apologetics by itself just means to be in defense of something, to, so to defend something. So you can be a Muslim apologist, so you defend Islam, or a Christian apologist, you defend Christianity. So I'm a Christian apologist, and that just means that I defend Christianity, and the way I do that, and other Christian apologists do that, is we give evidence, whether that be scientific, philosophical, or historical evidence for the truth of the Christian worldview. So basically, you're just like a Christian debater? Uh, I mean, I've never actually debated. I do have a debate coming up this Wednesday, which may or may not be before podcast airs. That'll be my first like official debate, yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah, just like, do you train? Like, do you do like knowledge ups? I mean, I've been... It's... The guy's name is Tom Jump. He's an atheist on YouTube. Okay. And so I've, I've just been watching a lot of his debates and trying to figure out what his typical arguments are and how I would answer those mm-hmm. and stuff just like that. don't do it on, like, the ledge of a tall building. <laughs> Tom Jump. Oh, I see what he did there. Tom Jump. This is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's okay. All right, so let's start with, you know, we've had our... Uh, state of religion so we've technically spoke on where we are but for anyone who has not who li- have not listened to us before i'm agnostic essentially meaning that i believe in a higher being uh, but ultimately i don't subscribe to any religion me personally i rather learn from each religion figure out what i can take from each one and then put it all into my own scope of things uh, in my religion technically i am god but it's more like in a sense of God has put all the power needed inside of me, and I don't understand why I wouldn't have the power from there. All right? So I just need to tap into the greatness that's already inside of me. Jesse? Tap that, Gabe. <laughs> How would you categorize your religious beliefs? Um, I'd say someplace between agnostic and atheist. I would say my belief in religion is the same way I believe in ghosts, like aliens, the under, uh, underwater city of Atlantis. Um, until there's evidence, there's not. Um, I don't disbelieve that the potential is there. Uh, I'm just kind of in the state of 
if I was, if I put myself in the shoes of being a god and created life and everything like that, the last thing I would want is for the life that I created to waste his entire life trying to figure me out. So one Facts. way or another, I'm going to enjoy life. I'm going to do right by other people. And what happens in the end happens in the end. Mm. Well, so how would you feel if you just like died and went to hell? Shit happens. <laughs> He's just going to burn for yeah. eternity. I just mean, like. if, if I die and, like, there's just, a, like, a, you know, a cat face at the end of the tunnel, then there's a cat face at the end of the tunnel, like. Cat face? Hold up, what? you saying God would have a cat face? I'm saying if the God has a cat face, then that is what it is. Then I'm going to be all right with it. Sorry about that, guys. That was my Skype going off. I did not expect that. Mike got the Christian chicks. I was about to say <laughs> <laughs> the no, that, that actually is a, a group of apologists we do typically meet Sunday afternoons and oh. so I had put in the group chat that I wasn't going to be there tonight but I think it's just kind of an automatic group call thing mm-hmm. so I think that's what happened there so y'all like Christian Christians or y'all like uh, what, what do you mean Christian so I mean like are you like like we're not we're not we're not the so Baptists who are the crazy radicals even us Christians look at them and go hey, no don't compare us to those guys over there they're some so weirdos <laughs> There's 12 members of the Westboro Baptist Church, and they all have flippers because they're so inbred. So, that's that's the radicals that I would So, like break down. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, I'm with them on this one. Break, break down your level of Christianity, or the path you take into it. Uh, you mean, so, like, just my... Well, how I would describe a worldview, or you mean like a history history of how I kind of got to where I am? So I think what he's kind of getting at is, if you look at social media um, and just the way Christianity is viewed in the world, there's a lot of Christians that just kind of do their own thing, be good people, move about their day, and there's mm-hmm. other people kind of like you, you said, the Westboro Baptist Church, that use Christianity more as a defense in order to be able to get away with doing terrible things. Facts. Um, <laughs> we're obviously not saying you're the latter of the two. I, but I, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, like, kind of like where, I guess, because you mentioned that you do have this group where you kind of defend Christianity, um, to what degree or level are you going about it? And I guess like how well, like widespread are you trying to defend Christianity? Um, well, I, I I want Christianity to be able to be viewed in an, as a more as an intellectually viable option for people. So it's it's not just kind of this thing you have to believe by blind faith and then maybe you get in heaven and it's just it's just like every other religion you believe it by blind faith or you don't. And the the way culture views religion typically is that if if you're an intellectual if you think for yourself then you're you're probably going to be an atheist. You know that's kind of the the stereotype is. You know, you're raised in church, but then you go to college, you learn to think for yourself, and you realize there's no evidence for God, so I believe it. And so my job is, is to show that, no, I think there is good evidence for God, and then more specifically, the truth of Christianity. And I want that to be seen as an intellectually viable option for thinking people. Just, not that I want to force it on anybody, but just if someone's looking through the options, I want them to look at Christianity and say, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's an option for an intellectual. So do you try and convert people to Christianity? I mean, it depends what you mean by convert. Like, I'm not trying. I'm not saying turn or burn yeah. or any of that stuff. I, oh yeah. I, I like I said. I I want, I want it to be able to be looked at in a fair light. Okay. Right. Okay. As, as opposed to looked at as kind of this, you know, age old superstition that why why bother my time with? I kind of want to put the evidence out there so someone can look at that, and if they want to, then they can say, yeah, that that's an option for me. Cool. So when you say evidence, because mm-hmm. just me being me, I'm superstitious. Well, I don't necessarily superstitious, but 
Skeptical. Thank you. I appreciate you. Say, like broken mirror type superstition. Broken mirror. Like, oh, I get what you're talking yeah. about. That wasn't funny, Jesse. Yeah, Stop. He laughed. Stop. He giggled. <laughs> he chuckled. There's a grown ass man. He said, <laughs> "Counts. Still counts." So yes, yeah, so I'm skeptical about a lot of things. So what type of evidence would you say there is? I mean, I would say the the best evidence is philosophical evidence. Okay. You could also think of that as metaphysical evidence. Um, so and. Also, there, there is scientific evidence, but when, the thing is you got to be careful because when we say there's scientific evidence, it's not that we're saying you can put God in a test tube or that you can run some kind of experiment in the lab and that's going to prove God. Mm-hmm. When we say scientific evidence, that's usually referring to how modern science can be used to prove a premise in an argument for God's ex- existence. So a good example is the Kalam cosmological argument. Mm-hmm. So that argument goes like this. Premise one. Everything that begins to exist has a cause. Correct. Premise two, the universe began to exist through the conclusion, therefore, the universe has a cause. Okay. And so science can just be used as a tool to prove that second premise, that the universe began to exist. And that's almost everybody now believes that the universe and even time itself had a beginning at the Big Bang. Mm. And so science can be used in that way just to prove a premise. And now, and that's, that's a religiously neutral premise that the universe began to exist mm-hmm. now what are the implications of that what 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 attributes can you deduce of the cause now that that's a separate question mm-hmm. do you want to go on yeah well so i would say the evidence for the first premise that everything that begins to exist has a cause that's primarily confirmed by our everyday experience correct we know that things don't come into being for no reason. cause mm-hmm. and the thing is a lot of people want to make an exception for the the universe they want to say well yeah, maybe things in the universe come into being with a cause, but, but you can't say the, that for the universe as a whole. The problem is, number one, that begs the question in favor of atheism, because you're, you're just saying, you're just asserting that the universe is the one exception. Yeah. And the second problem is, is Which prior to the logic. universe existing, there was nothing. Right. No thing. Not the Lawrence Krauss definition well, the expected of nothing. is. Yeah. If there, there, there was no time, no space, no matter prior to the Big Bang. And so there's nothing about that state because it's not even a state, it's nothing. There's nothing about that that would be biased towards universes. Like why can only universes come into being without a cause? Why not horses? Why not beer bottles? Why not all these other things? Fruit flies do. So can you say that again? Fruit flies. Fruit flies. Yeah, why not fruit flies? Y'all are annoying. That's a good question. <laughs> so so if those two premises hold, number one, that the that everything that begins to exist has a cause and the number two, that the universe began to exist, and all of the scientific data would point to that now. And people try to argue maybe other types of time. That's why I prefer philosophical arguments for the okay. beginning of time. We can get into those if you want. But if those two premises are true, then it follows logically and necessarily that the universe has a cause. Okay. And then, so the, then you would ask the question, well, what does it mean to be a cause of the universe? And if we think of the universe as all time, all of space, all of matter, mm-hmm. okay, all of all three of the things are correlative, meaning you can't have one or two without the other one, mm-hmm. then whatever caused those things to come into existence can't be made of space, time, or matter because okay. those things didn't exist yet. I like it. And so, so the cause of the universe has to be spaceless, timeless, and immaterial. Okay. Now, it also has to be personal. And the reason is because in order to go from a state of timelessness to a state to a state of where time comes into being. So now we have sequence. That's a real thing. Right. Something has to make a choice. And non-personal forces don't make choices. Okay. So, for example, if the cause of water freezing is the temperature being below zero degrees centigrade, 
then if the temperature was below zero degrees centigrade timelessly from eternity's past, then any water that was around couldn't begin to freeze at a new point. Any water that was around would just be frozen from eternity's past. Well, hold on, hold on. Let me cut you off. Okay, go ahead. So my question would be, I get what you're saying, and I agree. That's always been my thing, and to an extent was why I decided to be agnostic in the beginning was because at first it started as just a questioning. Why does my best friend who's gay have to burn in hell because he chose to live a life that was given to him? And I wouldn't even agree with that, so we can get into that later. Right. So then it's like, upon that, it's other things, like why do I question things or why because I slipped up do I now have to burn in hell? Why is burning in hell used as a fear to control me rather than the thought of either making it to heaven or just living a good life, the conversation? Uh, and then, of course, it goes to, well, if there is no God, how was the universe started? People say the Big Bang, but then it's like, well, how can you say the Big Bang? Like, who who started the Big Bang? It's just yeah. dumb to just say, oh, the Big Bang just happened. Uh, but now my question would be, I understand using that as a reason to believe in God, but why Christianity? Well, this is, so that's a whole other conversation. So I think there are a lot of good arguments for a theistic God, okay. meaning a God that is outside of the universe, who creates and sustains the universe. Okay. So if we have evidence for a being like that, then that would rule out most of the pantheistic religions. Because okay. pantheist, pantheism is either an assertion that God is synonymous with the universe, that God and the universe are the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, that, so that would be, I, I don't know what... Like God is in everything, like Mother Earth and all yeah, that stuff? Yeah, like hug the trees. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> hug the trees is what you go But I'm, I'm saying I, you, I, that wouldn't solve the problem, for example, the argument I just mentioned, the Kalam cosmological argument, because you need a being that exists prior to the universe. Okay. Which, that's kind of funky language, because when we're talking about before, time doesn't really make sense. But right. for the sake of our discussion, that works. I mean, well, we're just human, so... so yeah. So pantheism can mean that. It could also mean more limited beings inside the universe, like Thor or Zeus or mm. Horus or Osiris, all these kinds of gods. These are limited beings inside the universe. They're more akin to superheroes than they would be to any kind of god yeah. that I think is worth discussing. And so... so Arguments for a theistic God rule out most of those possibilities. I can understand that. And then so you have the main three theistic religions, which are Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. Okay. And for me, the reason I, I go from theism to Christianity is because of the person Jesus of Nazareth. Okay. This is an actual historical figure we can look at. And he kind of, he bursts onto the scene in a, in a Jewish context and makes some what were pretty radical claims for the time. Because there was, in Jewish culture, an expected Messiah who's going to kind of come and restore the Davidic monarchy and all these things. And Jesus bursts onto the scene, and he's he's claiming to be that Messiah. He's claiming to be God incarnate. Mm -hmm. And so so he's not just some regular average Messiah like maybe Muhammad was, who just says, kind of, I bring God's word to you. Jesus was saying, I am God in the flesh. I just want to say that it's kind of hilarious how you low-key just shitting on Islam like that. Well, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I have, I have my own other problems with Islam. I wouldn't say. It's that I'm, I'm ma- I was mainly pointing out that Jesus is different from other prophets. Right, he a real one. So, yeah, so, you yeah, said yeah, Muhammad exactly. is the little muff. Right, I yeah. feel you keep so, going. I mean, so other, other <laughs> even in the Old Testament would kind of come along and they would always do things and they would say, well, God says this, God mm-hmm. does this, and they would always forgive other people using God's authority. Well, God forgives you. We'll pray for you. You, you repent and God forgives you. Jesus comes on to the saying, he, he never says God says, he always says, I say. Right. And he'll even, he'll even kind of rephrase laws that are from the Old Testament with I say. And he always forgave, forgave people in his own authority. Mm-hmm. He, he he, he, and he claimed to be able to do that. Okay. So he had this radical self-understanding 
of being God in the flesh. And I think the what verifies those claims, okay. as opposed to just being the claims of a lunatic, is the resurrection. I think that there's good historical evidence Ooh. that he that Jesus predicted and accomplished his resurrection. And if that's the case, if he really did die and really did rise again, then God raising Jesus from the dead would be the confirmation of so the let's pause. claims he made. Let's pause there. Yeah. Uh, let me ask. So, because we've had this conversation many times on podcasts where... I'm a bit iffy when it comes to books. So okay. what is it that makes you feel like the resurrection actually happened? Just being a human being and knowing that you can't Go die back. and come back. Yeah. I mean, well, so the first thing is at one point you have to acknowledge that we, we can know things about history. Like, so we can know that George Washington was the first president. We can uh, know certain things. Okay. Ah, that's a whole other. I, I mean, yeah. We won't get into that. The problem, the problem of historical knowledge, actually, if you pick up a copy of Reasonable Faith, there's a chapter in there called The Problem of Historical Knowledge. And they, mm. they get into all these kind of nuanced things. Well, can we actually know things about history? And right. was everybody lying? Or, you know, they get into all these things. Okay. So we, we won't get into that for now. We'll just assume. I have maybe, no problem. Maybe, with we, it. maybe we can be con- at least confident. Yes. we can be confident that George Washington was the first president. I, I have it's, it's no problem. More, it's certainly more plausible than not. For the sake of conversation, I have no problem with accepting that. Yeah. So. Okay. So assuming that we can know things about history, or at least we can we can look at historical texts right. and things and historical research and say certain things are more plausible right. than the alternative. Okay. Then there, there are certain historical facts surrounding Jesus of Nazareth mm-hmm. that would point to his resurrection. And these historical facts, by the way, would be accepted by the mainstream of scholars. So that wouldn't just be Christian scholars. It would be atheistic and agnostic scholars alike. Okay. So, for example, one of the main accepted facts, again, among all scholars of all walks of life, is the empty tomb that okay. the third that the Sunday following Jesus's crucifixion, the tomb was found empty by a group of his women followers. Yeah, but I've seen Houdini. <laughs> like, I mean, people have been faking their own deaths since. So you saying today. Jesus was the first magician? That's how he turned the water I mean, to wine. So if you think about the it, distraction so, chick, he yeah. showed them the left hand yeah. and the right hand was actually yeah. dipping it out and Look putting over it over here. out the whole time. So, so kind of what I'm getting at is like Jesus if you think about conspiracy amazing. theories nowadays, the big problem with conspiracy theories is anyone who's been a project manager knows that getting that many people to agree to one thing is near impossible. A project but manager. You, but if you look at it like kind of back then, you're talking about convincing like 15 people to be silent about it. At, about well, so we, so we can get into the conspiracy theories. So, so first yeah. I want to kind of try to parse out a couple okay. of different things. So of course. So. I am a magician. I'm not a professional. I'm not paid to do it, but I but I do magic a lot for fun. And so, so if I, I give you five dollars, like would you become a professional? Between, say again. Say so if I gave you five dollars, would you become a professional? I mean, I mean, I do a magic trick for you right now. <laughs> Go ahead. <keep laughs> if going. that makes me professional, that's awesome. So, so the thing with Jesus. So I so I should like to point out the first thing is the cumulative case is what's important. So it's not just one fact. It's not just the empty tomb, and I can point to that one fact and say, aha, I know Jesus rose from the dead. You know, you can come up with alternate explanations. The Jews did. The Jews. The early Jews said that the that disciples stole the body mm-hmm. from the tomb. Right. Now, of course, that actually helps uh, solidify the empty tomb as a historical event because if there isn't an empty tomb, then you don't have to make up an excuse for it. So that's right. the first thing. Is the Jews are admitting the tomb is empty because okay. they're making up an excuse and saying the disciples stole the body. Another thing would be the appearances. There, there is re- reports of the disciples... Um, having on multiple occasions seeing Jesus and they, they ate with him and they talked with him and then the, there's other people mentioned in the New Testament. So the post-mortem After. appearances. Yeah. Um, Maybe they just weren't in on the con. 
It's good. Go ahead. <laughs> then, then second, no, that's fine. I said second. Third would be the fact that all of them went to die for, for what they claimed to be true. They, they suffered brutal deaths and had no attributable motive to lie. So like you point out, the conspiracy. So it's, it's not just a small number of people. Mm-hmm. So um, Jay Warner Wallace, who was a cold case homicide detective for years and actually became a Christian because of the evidence. He used his skills as a detective to investigate the, the resurrection as a, as a historical event and see if it came out looking good like all these other cold case homicide cases he does. And he points out that to have a successful conspiracy, as you pointed out, you need the smallest number of people possible, two, three. You get more than three, it's almost not going to hold together. Second, they need to have a tightly knit relationship with each other. So if they're just kind of comrades, they're not as likely to keep a lie up for the sake of the other person as, as they are if they're brothers or maybe father and son, things like that. You also need a very short period of time to hold the conspiracy. So it's, it's much easier to hold a conspiracy for a week than it would be for several years. Um, and the last thing is just slipping my mind. Oh, you also need little or no pressure to give it up. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the disciples, none of that applies to the disciples. You had, you had 12 disciples. Yeah, but what if they weren't in on it? Weren't in on what? On the, like, what if the conspiracy like, was on them? Like, they weren't in on it. Therefore, by killing them off, they killed off the people that everyone would think would be the ones that would admit to the conspiracy. So, so I'm, I'm gonna need you to start yeah. that over. So you, are you so, saying? So one of the disciples weren't in on the con, but so in other words, so so Jesus did something and they didn't know about it. Like yeah. Okay. Yeah. So therefore, then they start getting appearances of him because he starts lurking about, and then they get killed off for it. That cuts off all the loose like strands, except for like Jesus and the few people that know about it. Okay, so, so this kind of bleeds into the apparent death hypothesis yeah. that Jesus didn't really die mm-hmm. on the cross. Um, th- this falls apart for a number of reasons. Is, is Number one, the Romans were experts at crucifying people. It's not, it's not likely that they made a mistake. Um, and even if you look at texts in the Bible of where they, they stuck the spear in his side and water came out, they didn't know about it then. Now we know that that's an actual medical condition, that when, when, you, when you die and you're in this position, that your lungs fill with water. So it wasn't as if the, and they didn't know about this then, so it's not as if the writers were thinking, huh, when, 2,000 years later, when they figure out, out about this medical condition, they're going to be really impressed. No, that, that's evidence that they were just recording what they saw. They didn't know what it meant. It turns out we have confirmed data now that that's evidence that he was really died, dead. And then, of course, you have the people who buried him. Joseph of Arimathea buried him. Um, this wasn't an uncommon, uncommon practice. And, and then if you... Now, but even if you say, well, despite all the fact, he still managed to survive. Maybe his paws stopped for long enough for them to get him in the tomb, which is implausible in and of itself. When you consider the amount of torture that Jesus went through, when you consider the amount of abuse his body took, that he had nails through his feet and his hands, or maybe wrists, depending on... Probably wrists. Yeah, probably wrists. That's what I think, too. Well, and, that'd be the way that it would be held up. The hands would just rip. Yeah, and, 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 and the severity of the beating he took... To, to think that he would just somehow be able to recover, move a stone by himself, and then be able to just go walking around and everybody and people wouldn't just see him as a bloody mess, I, I just don't think that's very plausible. Right on. If, if that's fair. Um, I mean, I understand it. My only problem with it is there's stories of like that are, are pretty common to this. Not the exact story, but stories of people surviving a situation where we believe they should have died or where they should not have died, etc. Now, I don't want to say that getting stabbed in the lungs, that's a common story where someone should just easily be able to come back from it. For me, all of my questions kind of rest in, what makes you say that this isn't just a book? 
the the New Testament. Correct. Or maybe not even just that, just the Bible in general. Or well, story. Well, so so the main things I study do focus on the New Testament. So I, I would okay. I'll, I'll speak to that a little bit if I can. Yeah. Um, now I'm, I'm by no means an expert. I would highly suggest reading reading William Lane Craig, J. Warner Wallace, his big mm-hmm. one, guys like that, J.P. Moreland. Um, but, but from what I have is, it's it's not it's 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 not what it looks like when composing fiction. Okay. So for example, we didn't even have. Well, we, we had what was understood. We had a canonized New Testament prior to, the, the, like, the Council of Nicaea, the Council of Laodicea, but it was more, it was canonized kind of in tradition. It wasn't like the church fathers had to put their stamp on it yet. Okay. But so if you look up until that point, it, was, it wasn't as if there was anything called the New Testament. There, mm-hmm. there was no such thing as the New Testament. There were just all these different sources going around. Um, so the four Gospels, there were, just, there were just these four independently recorded sources that were going around, people knew them as scripture, and the reason that the church fathers had to meet in the 300s AD, which they, they couldn't even meet before them because Christianity was being persecuted, and then Constantine came along and, and made it tolerable. He didn't make the religion of the day like some people think, he just made it tolerable. And so now the church fathers were able to meet, and there was all these false documents writing up claiming to, be, have, claiming to have been written by eyewitnesses of the life of Jesus, like the Gospel of Peter, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Judas. And so they had to have these meetings to figure out, okay, wait a minute, which, which books were actually written by eyewitnesses, which ones were actually written by followers of Jesus and, and are telling the truth, as opposed to which ones are making this up. And their the church fathers could tell. I mean, granted, I don't have it in front of me. There have been people who have documented, documented, like in, just from the book of Acts by itself, there's 86 details that only an eyewitness could have known. And you look at some things like the Gospel of Judas, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Peter, they were anachronistic, meaning they, they weren't right for the time. They could tell by reading them, oh, wait a minute, these were written in the second century, not the first century. They, these aren't all the people who would have been alive to know Jesus are dead. So the, and that was a form of plagiarism back, th- back then. So the way plagiarism works today is like you write something good, right? Mm-hmm. I steal it and I put my name and take all the credit for it. Mm-hmm. How plagiarism worked back in the day with these documents was somebody would come along in the second century, they would write something that they wanted the church to accept, and they would steal an apostle's name and put it on there. Mm-hmm. So Judas didn't really write Judas. Somebody wrote something that they wanted the church to accept. How the hell did we prove that? So I, I would have to defer to Jay Warner Wallace's work okay. on his book, Cold Case Christianity, and he okay. has all the details of these things. Okay. Okay. So yeah, the early also church fathers knew. Was there was no way you could have wrote it. Okay. Woo! Snap! There you go. I also just made that up. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> yeah, but, but so there are things like that. So yeah, so, so basically the councils, they were trying to figure out, they weren't constructing a theology. They were just trying to figure out, okay, which documents were either written by eyewitnesses, people who knew eyewitnesses, or people who could do miracles, because if you could do miracles, then you were that confirms you as speaking on behalf of God. And then whatever theology comes out of that, they're stuck with. Okay. If that's fair. So... Go ahead, you guys on? I was going to say, like, what would be the difference between that and, like, us recalling events of, like, Chris Angel or Jeannie, like, 2,000 years from now? Do you think it's likely that 2,000 years from now people, I mean, knowing what we know today about magic and stuff, do you think it's likely that 2,000 years from now people would start saying, well, actually, so it wasn't a magician? What I would like to compare it to, because this is the one thing I've realized is, even in recent time with video and so forth, the conversation of Jesus, of Muhammad, etc. You, 
you compare it to how people have conversations about sports stars from the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. And I'm not saying that, like, let's say Michael Jordan. People don't necessarily, nah, I'm about to bullshit you. They talk about <laughs> Michael Jordan like as if he's literally Jesus. Like, okay. they talk like he floated from this place or that place. Space and, <laughs> and, you know, the difference is in today's society, we can go back, we can watch movies or videos of his games and say, no, nah, he didn't jump the way you say he jumped. He didn't float the way you say he float. Or there's people who do it now and all it really comes to is he just jumped really high and you kind of over-exaggerated what, he, what he's talking about, right? Uh, we also see amazing feats that happen in today's time and I don't know if your friends have this problem, but you'll have a friend that'll come over, especially when we were younger, who would describe something to you and make it sound extremely astronomical com- compared to what it actually was. Mm-hmm. Yet again, I'm not saying that for a fact I don't believe that Jesus ever existed or he walked this earth, but I mean, for the most part, the only thing you have to go over is books yeah, and what I, you're told. And then kind of go off of that, I mean, you have things like William Wallace and a lot of other famous people in history that, you know, the feats that they did, they probably had a bit more help than what they said that they did, or even going back to like Greek and Roman mythology, you have, you know, Jason, you have Hercules, you have all these other people. Jason? That, Jason the Argonauts. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Good. But, I don't know nothing about that. So it sounds like you're talking about toy soldiers right now, but keep going. (laughs) (laughs) So how would you separate Jesus from other figures that did godly things based off of stories? So to be in historical accounts. Well, so, okay. So guys like Michael Jordan, admittedly don't, they weren't buried in a grave that was later claimed to be empty. Gotcha. Stuff like that. Um, Of course you have, (laughs) and and with William Wallace, it's not not even claimed that he died after they, yeah. (laughs) Space Even guys with William Wallace, we know how he died. He was decapitated, spread on different parts, and then there's there's you don't see legends arising. Well, well, those pieces came back together, and here's William Wallace walking around again. Yeah. Now, of course, we can get into some of the Greek myths, like of Horus and Osiris. Yeah. There's other myths of dying and rising gods. We can get into that. Um, what, what separates Jesus? Well, a big part of it. Again, remember, we're not even talking about things like turning water into wine or mm-hmm. healing the blind. Things that we might just have to kind of throw up our hands and say, okay, I don't have direct evidence of that. We're, ta- we're talking about a list of historical facts that okay. are, are completely religiously neutral. So the empty tomb, nothing miraculous about that. Okay. Postmortem appearances, nothing miraculous about that. Disciples going to their deaths, nothing miraculous about that. The explosion of the early church in Jerusalem, nothing miraculous about that. The question comes is what hypothesis best explains these facts um, in a way that has the most explanatory scope, meaning it covers all the facts, the one has the most explanatory power, meaning you don't need multiple explanations. Okay. So, for example, you could say, well, the disciples stole the body. But then you would also need a second hypothesis for the postmortem appearances to say, well, maybe it was they hallucinated, or maybe they, it was like a conspiracy. Them. But the, the problem is, is, is by Occam's razor, the resurrection hypothesis is still better because it's one hypothesis that explains all the facts and you don't need kind of all these ad hoc additions okay. to come in and explain it away. So what we're simply saying we can look, we can look at, and, and again with these other guys, like like let's say you took, I don't know, 20, 30 people who said, pretty sure there was something supernatural about the way Michael Jordan jumped to deliver basketball. Right. Well, what's going to happen if you separate them? Imagine they don't have... Re- strong relationships with one another. Maybe mm. they sat in a room one time t- together and talked about it before this. You separate them. They don't have any communication with one another, and you're torturing them, and you're going to kill them if they don't admit, okay, well, actually, I, I may have exaggerated a bit. Mm. How many of them are going to stick to their story and say, no, 
No, I'm pretty sure it was miraculous. It's kind of unfair, mainly because cults have existed. Brainwashing yep. does exist, mm-hmm. and it, it's at least said yeah. it's at least said that a time like that was a time where people weren't, I guess, as intelligent as they are now. And if I pay attention to how intelligent people seem in today's time, then that must mean those people were just <laughs> hey. And so, uh, especially with thinking about not even thinking, paying attention to the fact that most religions, Christianity being one of them, is to an extent based off of a level of fear. Now, it's a level of fear that we choose to not pay attention to the fear is there. And I would say 90 percent of people I meet who are Christian. Um, but with that being said, anything could have been happening in the beginning. OK, so so there's there's a couple things that I want to separate out. So first, I'm going to talk about the second part about fear and then kind of circle back to, to gotcha. Jesus. Um, so the part about the fear is. Well, the first thing is that's just to commit the genetic fallacy, which is to say because we can explain how belief originates or even just why certain people hold a belief that therefore we can explain the belief away or that it's false. Mm-hmm. May, you could say hypothetically maybe it is the case that the only reason anybody believes in Christianity is just because they fear hell. That wouldn't mean that Christianity was false. Correct. So you would still need separate arguments to say that it's false. Correct. So that would just be to commit the genetic fallacy. Oh, okay. I say the one second, thing? Yeah. Uh, that also would, though, create the whole that would say that the other things in regards to why you feel like all of this is legitimate is because of the fear that was put upon the people to continue to follow what happened. So that could also mean the people who, the the disciples who decided not to say anything because they felt like if they said anything, then they would then be burnt in hell for for an eternity. Okay, so so there's, okay, so we'll go back to Jesus earlier then. But that's okay. So the thing about that is, the the situation of the, the disciples isn't comparable to people of religions today, whether it be Christians, Muslims, or anything else. Okay. So, it, today, if someone took me and tortured me and said, renounce Christianity or denounce Christianity or I'm going to kill you, and I let's say I didn't give it up, I let them kill me, how much evidence would that count towards Christianity? It wouldn't count as anything. Right. right? Because for the most part, I have as much evidence as I can, but for the most part, I, there is a step, there is, there is a, a step of faith. I wouldn't call it a leap of faith because... I, I don't like the way atheists now classified as faith is belief without evidence. That's not what faith is. Okay. But 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 there there is a degree of faith in the sense that it wouldn't really count as evidence if I give my life for Christ. The situation of the disciples is very unique because number one, they were already God's chosen people. Remember, they were already Jews, and messiahs at that time were a dime a dozen. Right? If if your favorite messiah got killed, mm-hmm. you went and found yourself a new messiah. Okay. You you didn't you didn't claim he was God and turn on. So they were already the chosen people of God. So if we're talking about a fear aspect of heaven versus hell, they already had a Jewish religion where they were promised heaven. Okay. So you got to say, well, what is the motivation that they're now jumping ship to this other religion that's getting them killed when they're, when they're already in this religion that's promised heaven? So they already have a fear motivator for, for their own religion. The second thing is the disciples were in a position to know whether or not it was a lie. So you could say, I'm not in a position standing here 2,000 years later, to actually know I didn't see Jesus with my own eyes. I didn't break bread with him. I didn't sit down and eat with him. These kinds of things. I'm not in a position to know. They were in a position to know whether or not it was a lie. Okay. So that, 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 so if they give their lives for it, that does count as evidence in a court of law because pe- people very often will die for a lie they think is the truth, mm-hmm. but no one will die for a lie that they know is a lie. Okay. So that's another piece. And then the third piece, this would, you, you, so you might say, well, the Jews, they hallucinated. So they did believe that Jesus was risen. Nevertheless, okay. they were wrong because they hallucinated. The problem is, if you, given the Jewish historical context that they lived in, if they were to, the, the Jewish historical context, the religious context then, 
didn't allow for really a, a afterlife, or, or I should rephrase that, didn't have people dying and rising again prior to the resurrection of all the Jews at the end of the world when the Messiah comes. Okay. So if they would have hallucinated Jesus, they would have seen him, they would have hallucinated him in heaven, kind of assumed into Abraham's bosom, not physically resurrected in front of him. Okay, so then that leads to just, because I have a follow-up question, but I want to settle one more thing with this. Mm-hmm. So with the same same way that you're explaining how people would die for Jesus in that case, or these the disciples died for Jesus, and that to an extent proves that something may have happened and that they knew something well, it, or some level it, legitimacy. It proves it as a solo right, piece but of evidence, it but it adds. is a piece of evidence right. in, the, in the case. Okay, yes. so, and this is just... What I'm about to say is going to be harsh, or it may be taken harsh, not from not like an insult. But <laughs> I'm talking about from a logic standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Today's society, and I don't want to compare the two. We have Trump supporters who believe that Trump is like the savior of America. Okay, but you see, that could also be just used kind of in a metaphoric sense. Like they don't think he's God, but they just think his policies are going to revolutionize America no in a way no other politician could. These people. Uh, I don't want to necessarily say that they're wrong. They may have their reasons to believe that he's good for the nation. That's fine. Yeah. Right? It's, it's, but the, I'm just saying, pointing out that's very different than believing someone's the actual God in, in the flesh. No, I feel, like it, I feel like understanding belief and understanding following something is essentially the same. So whether you take, whether the person that you believe in or the thing that you believe in is on uh, a, a high um, aspect versus someone who's just someone who you just believe to follow as just a leader you still have to push something in someone to make them believe in you. I think also what Gabe's getting at is there's a certain level of people, like people get to a certain level where no matter how many facts you put in front of them, they will refuse to change their opinion on something. Oh, absolutely. I, so, I, I run into that quite often. Yeah. So I feel like... Uh, and by, not, by the way, let, let me just make clear, a lot. I'm sure a lot of Christians do that. People of all beliefs do that. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, this has nothing to do with religion. There's just a certain... At a certain well, point... That, like some people can get pushed to the point, or they'll have it in their mind that, again, no matter how much evidence you put in front of them, that's their belief. They're, even to they're be, just going to reject facts. Even to become a fanatic and die for someone. Even if okay. I say, but so so I want to. I do want to separate a couple things before we yeah. get too far down this rabbit trail. So the thing is, you do have to separate beliefs from the actual. What would you call it? The facts. From, from the facts, yeah. So there's there's wow. a distinction often made in philosophy between epistemology and ontology. So epistemology is how you know something. Ontology is the studying of being. It's why the actual thing exists. Okay. So epistemology could be like, I know the information that's in this p- a particular book, mm-hmm. right? Ontology would be, why does the book exist? Though? Who wrote it? Where did these ideas come from? Those mm-hmm. kinds of things. And so we, we do have to recognize that beliefs don't change reality. And so someone could believe Trump is literally God in the flesh. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't change the reality. Either he is or he isn't. Right. But perspective you're, you're, is reality for people. And the problem that comes it's, with it's, that is... You could say it's their reality. Correct. But then the books... But this is the reality of 15 people. It just became the reality for millions of people. And then if these are what was used in order to paint the picture on someone, any well, so hold on. So, so a couple things. So number, so number one is... Just saying it was the reality of these 15 people, you can't brush it off. You have to say, well, why was it the reality? What caused that to happen? How do, yeah, how do you explain mm-hmm. 15 different people who had no prior belief in somebody physically rising from the dead? Mm-hmm. What caused them to get that belief? But you're comparing that to we just witnessed millions of people believe somebody who changes his opinion after five minutes. Like, we'll literally say one thing a week 
before and contradict himself a week otherwise well, to believe his word to be well, true. Well, I think what I think what Mike is trying to say is with the fifteen disciples, they had no reason to know him. Correct. Like, in this case, the and Trump supporters here's one, here's are connected thing, in some way. Here's one thing that that's really important too is they also had no motive to lie. Right. So so Jay Warner Wallace has documented that. In all the crimes he's ever investigated, you, you can look at any crime committed throughout history, and it ultimately boils down to one of three motives. It's either money, pursuit of money, pursuit of sex, or pursuit of power, right? Mm-hmm. Money, lust, or power, one of those three. None of those are present for the New Testament writers. Isn't saying that you're God pretty powerful? Well, that would be for Jesus, but yeah. the disciples. He said that. I did, though. He said he was God. I didn't say that. Well, you said that Jesus was saying that he was God. Not the, that he, or the flesh of the God. The flesh of God. Yes. Correct. So, so you, I'm hold saying, on. like, if we're talking hold about, hold on, hold on, hold on. So you're separating them. Are you? Well, I'm. I'm talking about. I was more kind of reverting back to the conspiracy theory without saying it. I'm. I'm talking about a specific motive to commit a crime. So here's right. the thing: if Jesus really was God, he's not committing any crime by coming and saying it. Got you. But you're also and assuming that this is a crime, not just a cult following going wrong. I think what he, I think what Jesse's trying to say is maybe. Jesus obtained power by Okay, but well then so you're still stuck with the problem. You still have to have an explanation for how they came to believe this thing if it if it wasn't true. I mean this again goes to there was no real good mental health like studies. I mean he's just a magician. Well, yeah, well, th- I wouldn't go down. It, it's it's you can't really. It's hard, it's hard enough to diagnose someone sitting next to you on the couch Correct. with a hallucination, much less people two thousand years yeah. ago. Right. But I mean, what I'm saying is like I, uh, we're not even going in down the route of like hallucination. I'm just going down the route of like if you look at cult followings, like there are some people that you think are pretty sharp people that have joined cart like cults and have believed wholeheartedly to their death or you know beyond that whatever that person's saying is true and everything mm-hmm. like that. It's you know, without having any, again, like the education to prove somebody's out of their mind or that they're believing something that's not true was even more far and few between back then, like, or even less easy to diagnose back then. Um, so it's, you know, just as viable to be like, you know, Jesus was a cult following. They believed whatever he said because they were so far down that rabbit hole believing his cult. Okay, so, so that's a fair point. The problem is, is, when we're looking at different calls today, and I would need a specific example, typically there are better explanations than, well, whatever this person is claiming to be true. Either We can talk about people like Joseph Smith who founded Mormonism. There's good evidence that he didn't do anything miraculous. I mean, and if you look at the people who claim to be eyewitnesses of his miracles, all of them denounced him except for three who were family members of his. So the thing is we have bet. So if we can, we can look at any committed group, right? Say they're committed to their call. They're committed to following their leader. In most cases, we do have an explanation for why it is that they believe so, the thing. So, so the question is, my explanation for why the disciples believe so fervently is that God raised Jesus from the dead. That's the God raised Jesus from the dead, dead, dead hypothesis. Now, if you're going to say, well, actually, they were wrong, like maybe a Muslim cult is wrong or a Jewish cult is wrong or a Mormon cult is wrong, you have to have a better explanation. Go ahead. So what I'm gathering is... Why did they open the tomb after three days? Well, so according to the biblical text, it was angels who rolled the stones away. So it, was, just, it wasn't just people just were checking on the stones were gone, like moved away. So, so, so it could have just been anybody that So just anybody could have rolled the like stones away and moved the body, and then you have fifteen people that thought 
Jesus was God, now not knowing where the body is. Or okay, the so, stones so, were never moved. <gasps> well, so, so, so that's possible. So, so a couple things you got to remember is that there were Roman guards manning the tombs. And so if you're going to say, again, I, I, I understand if I say angels came rolled the stone away and the Roman guards were so scared of the angels they, were, they ran away, you can say, well, that's kind of a fanciful explanation. That's a miracle that you're talking about angels. But in the absence of that, then the it would be the on the burden of, the burden of proof would be on the person denying that to have a better explanation for why these Ro, these Roman guards just left because that that was your head if if you abandoned your post then that was your head and so so I, I don't think like ultimately what I'm gathering yeah, is we've seen you know since the story of Jesus we've seen other stories such as Jesus unfold but the story of Jesus. And Christianity, for the most part, is so solid proof that it's difficult to say it never happened. I, I'm gathering well, I that mean, from you. I'm not really making a historically ignorant case to say, well, no, we right. don't really know. Therefore, like the God of the Gaps argument. Right. I'm saying we have these positive historical facts, again, agreed upon by Christian scholars, atheist scholars, agnostic scholars, all the like. And then you have to say, what is the best explanation of these historical facts? So what if everything's metaphor, metaphors? In regards to maybe the angels aren't actual ascended beings. Maybe okay. they are, I don't know, Ezio Auditore or some shit. And before the Roman soldiers moved the stones and the bodies as a practical joke. Or. <laughs> did you really just, huh? Yeah. Talk I, about conspiracy theories. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, well, okay, but well, again, just, just one historical fact that's not miraculous, that's okay. religiously neutral, the empty tomb. That's, right. not a, that's not a metaphorical thing we're looking at. You're right. Again, especially when you have enemies of Christianity admitting it in their writings. Right. I mean, we're not arguing that the tomb was empty. It's more of a how did... We know that it was actually what, a body was there, placed like, in there. How did we know he was actually dead? account of what the guards said that they saw? I mean, that sounds OD. Well, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I doubt that they would. But I mean, yeah. like, you're saying that it's somebody's head if they lose, if they leave their post. Yeah. When, if, like, a rock started, like, rolling away, did they, like, go, oh, what the hell? What like, if the Roman guards were the angels? What, that's what I'm saying. Like, what if the Roman, <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. Like, what, like, what's to stop it from being the Roman guards that were watching it? We're like, hey, you want to see something funny? So Roll I, the stones away. I would agree. Well, okay. I would agree with you. Hold on, let me, let me yeah. my bad. One second. <laughs> that's okay. Just remind me that we were talking about the Roman guards. Okay, well, I'm about to say the same thing. So, I think that the difference is, we are living in a place of what ifs, right? We have a level of skepticness. I mean, all religions, what ifs? It's documented. This is what happened, right? Mike is in a place of this is what said was happened. I'm gonna. I think it's I can make an argument of higher probability, but yeah, that's fine. That's what I'm saying. So that as well. So he's using all the evidence that is documented, but the difference is you and I. Which actually confuses me, Jesse. This is actually a question I would like to ask you. So you and I have had conversations where I question, or we both question, like religion and history books to an extent. Uh, I think I question history books more than you would. Correct. Um, but you don't question science. I do, to a degree. It, we've had conversations, and your explanation of science is a fact is a fact. Okay, so I mean, that kind of goes to my vision of religion is I believe science that I can see is a fact. I mean, but you can't... Like, if you're like, hey, these two chemicals equal fire, and you put them together and, like, you know fire starts and hey cool look at that it's it happens like that's a fact like it, it just happens 
I get you. Yeah, but like if someone's like, hey, this science thing that you've never seen before, I would like to see it. And then I'll believe it. But what if you like fall out of a tree that's mad high, you were supposed to die, you live, and they say that's God. So, I mean, with that, it again comes down to like probability of like you can only go so fast as a human falling just because okay. of like centrifugal force. Like you can only fall so fast. Um, all of it ends with you shattering all your bones. Not right? necessarily. Like for it's the same reason why when a drunk person gets into a car accident, they have a higher chance of survival than when the sober people get in a car accident is their body's more loose because they don't know what's going on. If you fall from a high, high enough spot, there's a chance that you're going to pass out before you hit the ground. If you pass out before you hit the ground, you're not as like wound tight when you hit the ground. There's a higher chance for survival. Not a good chance. For how do you prove that's fat? That's how it happens. Can, so, like, can, I, can I ask a question? <laughs> yes. Just kind because and I and I don't yeah. I don't know this. I yeah. um, Would would you say you have a worldview that's more or less along the lines of we should only believe stuff or things no. if it can be scientifically proven? No. So as I said, like I do not say that ghosts don't exist. I I don't say anything does or does not exist until I've actually been able to kind of have evidence it doesn't even need to be well, i see it but so what, what, what would you call qualifies evidence um as i said kind of like seeing the science in front of me or again when it all kind of goes together like this works um, so, so, so what is what is an evidence apart from scientific evidence you would believe um i mean the big thing for me is like sight sounds um things that just making sure it adds up in more than it just is because it is so, you so does that doesn't have to be verified through your five senses it's the best way to verify it. But for example, the thing is also of, I'm not, I, and this is kind of goes with the whole ghosts, aliens, and religion for me is, I don't see any proof of it. And I don't know whether or not it does or doesn't exist. I'm not anti-religion. I'm not pro-religion. Just whatever it is, what it is. Yeah, that's My, fair. I'm, I'm trying to yeah, press you and see so, if maybe you would consider evidence other than it has to be scientific or verified sure. so, five sentences. And here's my thing is whether or not... God is real, whether or not Jesus is real. I know the impact of God and Jesus is real because, for example, my brother and his wife are very religious. Um, there are definitely times where what got them through was them praying. And whether or not God is real, the illusion of God, or not even illusion because that makes it sound, well, you know what I'm getting at. Not yeah. like illusion like it's fake, but illusion as in the, their belief. As in that person definitely yeah. had some experience. Yeah, that they're their experience, them holding on to a higher, like the... Uh, belief of a higher power is what got them through a situation so regardless of whether or not god is real the belief of god it had a real life impact mm -hmm. and that's kind of the way i think like think things through of like you know again to me if i die and god's real i'm not going to be surprised because i'm not against the like idea that it's possible mm -hmm. um so for me yeah i would want to see something like i would be on the side of like God needs to like pop up in front of me, and be like, "Hey, how you doing?" In order for me to actually believe. So, so a couple of questions. So, do you believe? And this is gonna this is gonna sound like I'm like patronizing you or trying to trick story? you into things, and I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm just, so, so do you believe that, let's say, torturing a baby for fun, instead of loving that child, is objectively wrong, regardless of anyone's opinion? Correct. Okay. So here's a question: Can that be verified through five sentences or proven by sci a scientific method? Um, I mean, I mean, I guess, you know, you can kind of see it. You can, like, oh, no, no, no. I can see. No. Oh, he's talking about, like, the actual, like, it being wrong? Yeah. Um, Objectively wrong, regardless of it. It doesn't matter how many people think that that's okay. It's not. So he's Correct. questioning your belief 
of it being wrong or it not being wrong. No, no, no. Yeah. I agree with you that it's objectively yeah. wrong across the opinion. What I'm asking yeah. is, can, is that something that can right. be scientifically proven? He's questioning your belief in is it wrong or is it not wrong? And how you decide is it wrong or is it not wrong based off of science or even seeing it. Yeah. I mean, to me, I mean, with that particular case, I would say that, you know, my biggest thing is if what you're doing puts somebody else in harm, that to me is wrong. Um, and here's the thing is like everybody believes it's wrong, but you know, one if, you know, to me, you know, killing people is wrong, but wonder if we were in a spot of overpopulation and somebody knew that in some sort of secret underground society and they killed off you know, crap ton of people. Would that make it well, that, right? that's getting made. But, well, I mean, that's getting into situational ethics, which, which, no, is, yeah. which is which is new. It's a we can ignore. We can just yeah. we can say, okay, forget situations, forget yeah. overpopulation. You have a child in front of you. Yeah. It's objectively wrong to just torture and kill that child. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That's wrong. And now here's I'm gonna make an even yeah. stronger claim to see if see Hold if because y'all just like switch it. Like you just said that it's objective on is it it's objective on is it wrong or right. And then he just asked you again, and then you said, yes, it's wrong. Yeah. I well, he was getting was into a nuanced point of situation. Yeah, I was saying that it was wrong to torture a baby from the get-go. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's why I in no way am agreeing with torturing kids. No, no, I get that. Okay. So I'm going to make an even stronger claim. I don't yeah. want to see if you agree with this. So I would say that we can imagine a world in which every single adult human being thought that it was okay to torture and kill babies, that that's just what you're supposed to do with them. Okay? Everybody thinks that. My contention is even in that world, it would still be wrong. Would you agree with that? I mean, I personally would say that it's wrong, but that's also because we're in a world where it's wrong to do that. Um, we Also, if you think about it, this also comes down to how humans continue to exist. That almost comes down to the survival of a species. If we're mm -hmm. torturing and killing off all of our babies, then our species won't continue. Yeah, There's I'm saying regardless, regardless of what would help us survive. Well, like, 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 let's say it would help us survive to He's torture and kill babies. literally just the action. Just the action. Nothing added, no additive. Right, no but what I'm saying, just and that's action. what I'm saying, is that when you're talking about torturing and killing of your own species, the reason why everybody can naturally agree that it's wrong is because survival instinct. No, no, hold on, species. hold on. So he's asking you a question void of any any other variables and in order for you to answer the question well, okay you're adding, okay can so i come for example to like if i'm on top of a building and i'm looking down two stories and i know i can survive that fall but it's gonna hurt i don't need to jump off the building to know it's gonna hurt and i'm gonna fear jumping off a building and like for the way of like it could kill me what happens if it don't hurt well then i got pretty lucky then yeah <laughs> well no, because I lost my train of thought. <laughs> you, you were making a point. I think about the survival. The point you were making, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, is that you, through talking about survival and evolution things, we can explain why it is we believe yeah. it's wrong. Um, my, my, my argument, it doesn't matter how we believe it. It's either right or it's wrong. It doesn't matter why we believe it, if we believe it. See, I'd like to know the why. Because, for example, I'm definitely, I guess this isn't necessarily in the way of, like, you know, the whole baby situation, but, you know, the Crusades kept and everybody thought they were right doing that. That right. was murdering a crap ton exactly. of people. And my contention was, it doesn't matter yeah. how many of them believed it was right, it was wrong. Correct, but they all believed it was right. So now you get into this, if you don't have a why something's right or wrong, then how are you going to, like, determine that it's right or wrong? Granted, again, everybody well, else feels... That, that's what, is what I'm leading into yeah. slowly, as so, is the why. Right. So I want so to make a contention real quick. So we have... Beliefs about the external world, things we can see and experience through our five signs, that there's a bar here, that there's a chair right here, that if yeah. I take an axe to a tree and I do it enough times, eventually it can fall down, all kinds Correct. of things like that. And these things, these are things that can be verified. So if someone believes that the sky is purple, 
and let, and let's say they're colorblind. They really believe it. Like they're not just lying. Yeah. We we could we can still say that. Okay, sub subjectively they may believe that, but objectively they're wrong. They're making an incorrect claim about the way that reality is. Okay. Now I would say you can make a parallel argument for morality that mor that we have we are no less justified in believing it, that certain things are really right or really wrong regardless of opinion. We're no less justified in believing that than we are of believing our experience with the external world because we have experience with morality. We have experience of making right choices and not hurting people just for the sake of it and, and trying to do our best, whether whatever you think a good deed is. And, and, and we, we, we look at figures like, like Hitler. We, we abhor them. We think how evil and awful, like the Crusades, like you mentioned. You can look at that and say, that was terrible, that was evil. And my point is, just as we would say the person claiming that the sky is purple is wrong, we can look at someone who believes that it's okay to murder six million Jews in a Holocaust, or we can look at somebody who says it's okay to kill a baby just for fun and say they're objectively wrong about the Correct. way reality is. I mean, there's a reason, like, again, it's whether it be just human default morals or whether it be religion. Again, I'm not anti-religion to the way that I don't think it's possible. Where does human default morals come from? Well, that's what I'm saying. Is there's default morals because if you look at all religions, all religions have these default morals. No, 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 no. You said human default morals yeah where are human default morals coming from i've never yeah. seen a, a default human well, moral a damn so i've on. never seen a baby feel bad since you're, since you're already discussing something. i don't want to interrupt but since yeah. we're already discussing i might as well interject the, where, where this is going yeah. is, is another argument for god's existence right. which is the argument for morality which is to say that if there really is a realm of moral values and it's objective regardless of people's opinions then god must exist because in the absence of some transcendent anchor for the morals and duties that we would all hold and agree to, then everything's just reduced to human opinion or majority vote, or maybe evolution gave it to us. And none of that's an, a, an actual grounding for morality. It doesn't justify why something is objectively right or wrong regardless of people's opinion. Hold on, hold on. All right, so stop, because I'm going to ask you both questions, because right. this is where I, I get annoyed. Have you ever watched a baby grow? A child? I mean, it depends like I what you mean by that. I've worked at a daycare for eight years. I've seen kids start at infant and grow over the years. Okay. The classrooms. Let me say firsthand, because the problem is, in that case, you see a kid leave, and while you spend a large period of time which in your life with this kid or their life as well, you don't get to be there for every lesson that they learn. Most of them, but yeah. So you've recognized that as a child, children start off with no morals. It's like animalistic selfishness. We established this. Now, of course, you know, arguments want to be brought up about, you know, when we get smarter, that's when the morality comes in. But that's also comes the time that we start worrying about other people's opinion and we start giving more information, right or wrong. I wouldn't fully agree with all yeah, of that, but for the sake of the discussion, I'll grant it. Yeah, yeah I mean, because, again, like, part of it also comes to, again, like, kids learn that they don't, like, not to hit other people if they get hit by, like, if they get in a fight at school. And it's a lot of times they don't even learn that. They just learn, I need to learn how to fight better so I can kick his ass. Well, but you still get the getting hit sucks, therefore okay. hitting somebody is probably not cool. Okay. Again, if you're just boiling it down to like the most base thing. Go ahead, you was about to say something. Well, just a couple things. So one is you want to be again, you want to be careful not to commit the genetic fallacy, which is say if we can explain how people get their morals, whether they learn about a certain age or other things, that therefore they're explained away. You still have to explain why 
things are really right and really wrong it doesn't matter how we came to learn but it doesn't matter what we were taught as a child but, but it now, does because we're speaking from a place of people who have been taught our morality you, if especially if you decide that or if you feel as though things are subjective people do shit every day with no explanation well, okay, as well, to so what's that, right or wrong that's why I wanted to start the conversation of can we agree that things are really objective and it doesn't matter what people believe about them because that, that's going to play a part in this discussion. Right, if, we, if we eliminate God from the picture and we say, well, evolution gave us what, what we think we believe is right is really just survival of the fittest. It's the, the beings that had this set no, of moral values no, survive, that. are the ones that survive. I'm not saying you're saying that. Yeah, no, I get but you. I'm saying if we, if we go down that path, then we are going, going to get to the conclusion that morality is relative, that it really doesn't, that there aren't things that are objectively wrong. They're just things we think are objectively wrong because that's what we've been taught. Now, you're making a specific argument about what we were taught. You know, that's actually a good argument in favor of Christianity because you got to remember that the West was found on modern Christendom. And so not all societies, certainly most of the societies throughout human history, for example, didn't believe forgiveness was a virtue. Uh, loving your enemies wasn't considered a virtue. These are, these are recent things that happened in the West. And so a lot of societies, for example, most societies throughout human history believe in child sacrifice. No, 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 no. But the problem, the problem with you, but the problem with that is like 95% of the world is colonized by Christians. Christianity has been pushed on large portions of the world. I, I would contest that. I mean, you look at anywhere in the Middle East, Islam is the dominant religion. And, and what there's, a, they, the, the, there's a political system, by the way, that's specifically a consequence of Islam. Okay, and what are, and what are they doing? Are they, they they persecute Christians. They throw gays off rooftops. Okay. They forcibly circumcise women so they can't ever experience orgasm. Do they do feel like that's right or wrong? So no, I would say that they I would say that they have a religion, unfortunately, that justifies those things so, and tells them that it's okay. So what is it that makes their morality so different from ours? If God exists and is giving us our morality. Okay, so, so a couple things. This is going to get into a very much deeper philosophical argument okay. of what it means for God to embody what is called the good. Uh -huh. We can go there. Um, perhaps an alternative route would just be to say, for, for you, just to look inside yourself and, and, and look at a Christian who, or an, even, an, an, even a Muslim or an atheist. I don't want to make the mistake of people thinking I'm crapping on Muslims, okay? I think Islam is a bad ideology, and when you look at other places in the Middle East where it's dominant, it tends to be, but there are good Muslims in the West. So mm -hmm. let's say anybody in the West who's loving and caring for a baby, and then look at someone in the Middle East. Who's hold on, hold on. I think you should, instead of saying it like that, just separate the good and the bad, because this makes it sound like everyone in the West is good and everyone in the East is that, bad. That's, that's a fair yeah. point, that's a fair point. And I don't, I don't want people to be take, take me out of context there either, so I appreciate that. Yeah. But, I, okay, so I would just say anybody who is saying love your neighbor, Yeah. Let's care for our children versus, let's say, a religion in the Middle East who does say it's okay to throw gays off rooftops or, you know, if, if your neighbor won't convert to Islam, then you, you have the right to kill them in the name of jihad. But we think that's wrong. Our morality. Well, that's what I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just asking you to appeal to what you know deep down to be right and wrong. And I'm asking you which one's right and wrong. Right. I'm going mean, to agree with you because based off I'm... your argument, that's a society morality, yes. not a... a I'm raised... Morality. I was raised Christian. I've been taught things from the Bible. I've been, it's been instilled in me different Christianic things. I've been taking it upon myself to step out and learn of other stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, with that morality coming, to an extent, I live my life in a Christian way, 
but I do not subscribe to being a full-fledged Christian because I do not subscribe to everything that comes with Christianity. That's fair. Same with like Islam. Okay. Like there's things that I can subscribe to in Islam or that I've met oh, from Muslims. Don't forget to like there's, and follow. There's, there's a lot of there's a lot of <laughs> strands we we're getting into. Okay, right. so if we go if, again, if, so if we take the religious context out of it, because okay. when we started on a place where just is there evidence for a God, right? Regardless of the specific religions. So, I mean, the Big no. Bang, how you brought up in the yeah. beginning, I think is the biggest one. Yeah. So so the moral argument for a theistic God, okay, okay, is a God who embodies goodness. Okay. And so I'm, I'm trying to think of the way to pursue this without getting too technical here. Do it. Um, just do it, and we'll try to decipher it. Okay. So this 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 gets into a question of why isn't God evil? Okay. Why couldn't God evil? I like and, it. And God does God just arbitrarily command good things? Like for example, God tells us murder's bad. He tells us in the Ten Commandments, don't murder people, and we think, okay, don't murder. But maybe God could have said anything, right? He could put anything in the Ten Commandments, and then it would be our obligation to follow it. Mm-hmm. And so you have to question, ask the question: Is God arbitrary? Um, why isn't God evil? Why doesn't why isn't there the God of Islam who tells you know convert people to Islam or kill them in the name of jihad? So what we have to recognizes goodness and evil aren't ontologically on a par with one another right it's not that there's some kind of abstract form called the good and some abstract form called the evil and god is just going to maybe embody one or the other or or maybe some combination of them goodness actually has ontological foundation there is a thing called goodness there is no thing called evil evil is merely a lack or a deficiency in good so you can think of that like heat and cold there there is such a thing as heat Right? We can measure it. We can detect it. We know what it is. It's an actual thing. Right. Cold, there doesn't is no exist. such thing as cold. It doesn't exist. It's just the absence of heat. Mm-hmm. Same as black. Black doesn't exist. It's not a color. Right. It's just the absence of color. And so that's what evil is. Mm-hmm. Evil is not a thing that actually exists. It's just a deficiency or a lack in a good thing. So because good has actual positive ontological status, and God by definition is infinite in attributes that have positive ontological status, then God is going to embody goodness to its maximum. So whatever God is... Question. Yes. So what if God is everything and the conversation of what's good is to believe or to take actions that assist everything while evil is essentially being selfish? Because in every conversation of what is evil well, and what I, is I good... I don't know that I would agree with the definition that God is everything. Why not? I don't, I don't know what you mean by that. Can you expand on that a little bit? Nah, he's everything. He so, is the or, I mean, he is. Or, or, So we're talking about the pantheist? No, no, no. Right what I, I mean is earlier, he's everything. To I told yeah. you I don't subscribe to any of these things. No, I'm saying is earlier he said he doesn't. Oh, no, no, I understand God that. is in everything. It's God the creator. No, no. I, all right, so I get what you're saying yeah. there. But my thing is, is in explaining what he just explained, and, you know, black is the absence of color, uh, cold is the absence of heat, and so forth, yeah. you also then basically say that there's one centralized thing, and if you do not work towards this one centralized thing, then it would be considered evil. Well, so, okay, so hold on, we got to separate a couple of strands there, so. So, for example, to go back to the examples of black and cold. Yeah. So, black and cold don't exist. Right. Right, they don't have positive ontological status that way. But they are real, right? Right. So again, you go out on a cold, on a winter's day, you you feel how real cold is, right. even though it's not an actual thing that is it. And so evil doesn't exist. It is real though. Like if right. you're tortured for no reason, or mm-hmm. you you can just look at the History Channel and you can turn on the news, yeah, and you can see the evil is real. Um, I was going somewhere with that, and now it's left my head. Okay, good. So we have to have a proper definition of goodness, right? So I would say a thing is good insofar as it 
realizes or actualizes its proper purpose. Hold on. So what I would, I, I kind of disagree with that because that's kind of vague. Well, so, I was going to get more specific. I would say each time that we ever speak about something that is good, it's always talking about the betterment of everyone or everything else in some way or more than well, just one person. Well, that would fit within my domestic definition so long as that's in pursuit of a proper purpose gotcha okay so i would say that if god creates humanity then he has a purpose for humanity and insofar as we take actions and do our best to to realize that purpose and fulfill that purpose we're good so you you but so by that definition by the way god wouldn't even be good right because god's not fulfilling a higher purpose nevertheless goodness flows from god because he is in his nature essentially loving essentially kind kind he wants the best for you humanity he wants the best for everything yeah exactly right but then according to your definition again this kind of goes back to the crusades and hitler by your definition but that would line with hitler's perspective hitler was good according to him because what he was doing he thought was for the best of humanity but but, but wait 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 remember remember that's the argument we've been making though is that it doesn't matter what a person's opinion on the good is that is fact it only matters what actually accords to reality but to follow everything that right, mike but is if saying he succeeded then all of reality would be attuned with him because he would have killed all that's not incorrect his. no because remember i also made the case that even if everybody on earth yeah. thought something was right that wouldn't make it right so to your example let's say hitler had won world war ii yeah. and brainwashed everybody into thinking that murdering jews gypsies and homosexuals was right my contention is that actually wouldn't accord with reality that would still be wrong Especially if God exists. Now, if God doesn't exist, then you certainly could say that whatever the majority believes is right. I'm making a much a stronger claim, which is that reality isn't that way because it was designed by God. And so even if everyone agreed with Hitler, then everyone would just be wrong. So if we got into a situation where 20% of the world <laughs> needed to die in order to maintain humanity, would killing 20% of the population be good? No. I, would say, I would say no because God has created humanity with intrinsic worth. And it's not up to us to just kind of say, Decide well, this 20% of people, they don't actually have as much worth as the rest of the other 80%. Like, Who would make it, the decision would, of the 20%? Like, like to use the example of Thanos, yeah. it would have yeah. to be completely arbitrary. And even then, I don't think anybody's justified. Because then we're, we're talking about if we're literally going by random, there's how many babies and small children would end up in that bucket. Like maybe if you're talking about all convicted criminals who are child rapists, okay, maybe maybe we could yeah, but get, get on equals fifty percent of the population. Otherwise, that would get questionable. No, no, ob- obviously, yeah. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was, uh, I was. Our population would be very sad if that made up fifty percent of our population. Um, but yeah, no. Again, it comes down to like, but and that, and remember, people do have free will. Correct. We have we have the choice and. I, I, sh- I should like to make a point if we can take a bit of a sidetrack yeah, here, right. just, just, just so it's out there, because there's a lot of confusion about the, is it the third commandment? It's the commandment that says, thou shalt not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. Mm. So most people interpret that and think what that means is like, like cursing, like saying, oh, Jesus Christ, I stubbed my toe, or oh mm. my God, or things like that. That's what people typically take that commandment. I mean, that's not actually what it means. And... The, the proof for that is it actually says right there in the next sentence that this is the only commandment God won't forgive. So it says, thou shalt not take the Lord that God's name in vain. Then, then I'm not sure the exact wording, but God will not hold him guiltless, meaning God won't forgive this sin. Mm-hmm. And so clearly the one sin God won't forgive isn't if, you're, if you say, oh my God, what a great baseball game. That's not what it is. 
the pro- it's actually a mistranslation of the Hebrew. The actual Hebrew says, Thou shalt not carry the Lord thy God's name in vain. And what that means is doing evil in the name of God. Mm. So things like, you're talking about the Crusades, things like what Hitler did. Hitler did it in the name of Catholicism. That's actually a worse sin than if he just would have murdered him and left God out of it. And this is, according to the Bible, a sin God won't forgive. So I, I, I just thought that was important to lay out because when we talk about well, Hitler used religion to justify it, or Muslims used religion to justify it. Or I, hold on, can so I, I, let me say one thing. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, before you go into that. I think that ultimately what, what Jesse was trying to say is Hitler did it in a sense to say that he was doing it for the Germans. Because the Germans were... Well, yeah, were, he had a lot. He had a, listen, Hitler was a smart guy. One, one thing you can't say about Hitler was that he was an idiot. He's a fucking so genius. So he, he was working a bunch of different angles. Number yes. one, he, okay, it was not for... It was for so you, there's a bunch of... It was for the betterment of the Aryan race, right? right? He used Darwin to, to, to justify what he was doing. Basically, and if the Jews, they're a lesser species, they're not as evolved, and if they don't want to fight, they have no right to survive. Right. So that's one thing. He also blamed the Jews. So yep. that was a lot of part in justifying, well, this is why we can kill him, because he actually blamed the Jews for setting up the conditions that made the war necessary. Right. And then he also partnered with uh, some Muslim leaders that was actually— there's a podcast Ben Shapiro did talking about it. I don't remember the specifics of it, but he, but because obviously Muslims don't, I shouldn't again. I don't want to label all Muslims, mm-hmm. but Islam in general has, does have a problem with the Jewish religion. Mm-hmm. So he was part of them. He's also partnered with Catholics. But if you actually look into some of Hitler's deeper writings, he actually planned to eradicate the Catholics as soon as he was done using them mm-hmm. for his purposes. So I don't know how I got off into that tangent. No, you're good. But <laughs> you were explaining Hitler. Yeah. And so uh, what I was but, talking about was uh, that Hitler was making it. That basically, from what Jesse was trying to say, or what the point he was making is that ultimately Hitler was stating or was doing it for the good of Germans, Aryans, mm-hmm. etc. So, from that point, so from, in, in his perspective, he was good. Not even just his perspective. At that point, the conversation of good was the benefit of everyone. Yeah. That goes into what I was saying is when we speak about what is good mm-hmm. and what's evil. Normally, evil is connected to isolation evil is normally good i was gonna say i mean it comes down to what i was thinking like if you're going back like if we go back to like the whole thanos thing of like if you're in a boat and there's one person like you know the boat's about to like go down if it's you know everybody drowns or one person drowns what decision so so the person who the person who throws the other people off the side is evil but the person who throws themselves off the other side is good so, but ultimately, with that, would the the rebuttal of that would be, well, Hitler was evil, and Germany followed them, so they was evil. But the rest of the world was good. Right, but what I'm getting at is like, what what is your stance if if you are saving eight other people by sacrificing one, is that good or? Bad well, hold on, that's a different conversation that we. Could I would have. I would say. I I would say as a general rule because, we can go hypotheticals all day. Yeah. I would say as a general rule. No one has the right to decide that another innocent person has to die. I agree with that. Just as a general rule. Now, maybe there's there's a circumstance. I don't know it. I would have to right. have it put but in But then you'd be deciding that 10 innocent people have to die by not deciding that one innocent person has to die. So I guess the better question is— Well, okay, no, but, but there's a distinction there because, like, okay, let's say a life raft is going down. There's 10 people on it. If we don't throw two people off, then all of us are going to die, right? The whole thing's going to go down. The, the difference is, is you can say, okay, it's weighing two innocent lives versus ten innocent lives. The, the difference is, is 
if two innocent lives die, like I'm the one who throws those two, I'm actively killing two innocent lives. Whereas if nature takes its course and all ten of us die, no one's actually committing a crime. No one's murdering. It's funny right? that because I'm not causing the life. It's funny that y'all bring this story up the way y'all bring it up because this is why I'm not a Buddhist. So, <laughs> so, so once I started like, like I'm throwing those two yeah, people, off. not even that. I have I'm, saved eight people and yeah. I'm a good man. And, but then it's like when you say, okay, well the for the karma system, it's not like oh you get ten good points for saving all the people, but then you get three bad points, so it just equals my, up into seven points. My credit karma went down by two, but it also went up by eight. So I was like, you know, I was walking out of Christianity, and I was like, well, where can I go? Do I want to be? Do I want to be fun? Do I want to join Islam? Do I want to be a Muslim? so forth and it's like no no i don't i don't want to follow any of this because all of this is it's like it's too much they have their own little different aspects of everything this side believes this and then this side believes this some of these motherfuckers is basically saying that it's okay to murder everybody money size is basically christianity could i make my pitch to christianity sure is this something we've talked about before yeah it might be new to you just because because you might say well if there is a god out there and there is a heaven and there is a hell. Wouldn't God just mainly care about me being as good as I possibly can as far as where I'm going to end up in the afterlife? Mm-hmm. So I would say a couple of things. So St. Anselm's concept of God was the greatest conceivable being. So this was a being that nothing greater could be conceived of. right? Because Outside of Jesus. Well, he's not a being, I guess. We're not even talking, we're not even talking about Jesus yet. We'll gotcha. get to Jesus. We're, talk, we're talking about the theistic God, whatever creates and sustains reality. Gotcha. Right, so St. Anselm's basic idea is he's the greatest conceivable being. If you can conceive of something greater, well, then that's just God, right? Because by definition, nothing greater than God can be conceived. Hmm. So if you think of God as just, he's infinitely just. And so if someone is infinitely just, that means that they punish all sin. Right, Because if you can think of a judge who just punishes some sin, and then you have an, another judge who punishes more sin, well, he's the most just one. right? So God has to punish all sin. He can't just kind of blink at it and ignore it, because he's, then he's not perfectly just. He's not the standard of justice by which we get our sense of justice, and we try to use in courts of laws to, to do right by people. So if, if you look at humanity, you say, okay, God created humanity for a purpose. He created humanity to, to enjoy fellowship with him. And he gave them free will because in order to have real love, you have to have free will. Like he could have created a bunch of robots if you wanted to, but that wouldn't have meant anything to him. Just like, you know, you could grab your wife by the neck and say, you better love me. That's not really going to mean anything, right? So God gives humanity freedom and he wants them to use that freedom for good. Right. The story of the Garden of Evil it's Garden of Evil. The Garden, the Garden of Eden. Okay, I was yeah. about to say, who you about to put me on this some shit? <laughs> this right there, the story of the Garden of Eden is that they basically think, well, actually, we know better than God. We're going to be the gods of our universe. We're going to decide what's right and wrong for us. And they use that, and it ultimately hurts them. And now all of us, unfortunately, are born with an, an inherent nature. There's, there's kind of this ill-conceived notion in Christianity that we kind of inherit sin, that we're guilty because Adam and Eve sinned. That's actually, it's just a bit of a misconstrual. What we inherit from that isn't the guilt. It's just the, the natural inclination to do wrong, to sin. And then we're, we're guilty of our own sins, right? So, so humanity is stuck in this really sucky predicament, if you ask me, just based on what we've talked about. Okay, you have a being who's, who's the embodiment of justice, right? Justice has to be done. If someone does wrong, they have to be punished for that. Everyone who's ever lived, no one's perfect. Everyone's done some wrong, mm-hmm. and you, you don't have to be Hitler. I mean, you can look at your own life and say, okay, I, 
I messed up here, or maybe I lied there, or maybe I wronged someone. Or see here. where your logic matches up with Hitler. You just didn't do anything. Well, and of course, he, does she have logic that matches up with Hitler? This guy, yeah, well, this many gets, times we do see that. This gets into another discussion of well, who were the Nazis. Well, they were just people. Yeah, they weren't some special breed. So yeah. all of us have those that potential. Can we're, I stop you real quick? Okay, yes. Think about it, the conversation of us saying punching Nazis, the state of punching Nazis. We had a whole full-on conversation where y'all motherfuckers was like, oh, he's a Nazi? Murder his ass. Go ahead. Yeah. So, so and yeah, because Jordan Pearson talks about that. Like, thank God we were born in the West because if we would have been born in Nazi Germany, I was... Odds are you would have been, if we just go by percentage wise, all of us in this room probably would have been Nazis. Nature versus nurture. Yeah, it's, 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 like a, big, it's, a, it's a big problem. To be a Nazi, so you're going to probably be a Nazi. It, well, not even just that, there's a book called Ordinary Men, which it documents uh, German police officers who at the beginning stages of World War II, so they were raised prior to the Hitlerian propaganda, so they yeah. weren't even propagandized into it at a young age, but it just documents how step by step they slowly ended up doing these horrible things. It's gotten me way off the point. Yeah. Uh, the point is, is you, you don't have to be Hitler. You don't have to be a German officer at the concentration camps. You can just look at your own life and you can say, even if they're minuscule in comparison to Hitler, I have committed moral crimes. I think everybody's capable of doing that because mm-hmm. I know what moral crimes are. So if you believe you've committed moral crimes, as small as they are, but you also believe moral crimes have, have should be punished and that God certainly, of all people, has the right to punish them, then I would say humanity is in a pretty, pretty sucky situation. So... If, oh. Are you finished? No. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so, yeah, so, we're, but the guy's also in a predicament because he's not only infinitely just, he's also infinitely loving and merciful. And he, he wants a relationship with the people that he created to be in fellowship with himself. So he's in, he's in this situation. He's perfectly just. He has to punish all sin, but he's also perfectly loving. So he wants people to come to heaven. And so I would say that the only, the logical solution to that is Christ, is God comes God comes in human form, and he takes the punishment on himself. So the, the per, that's the perfect solution because God's justice is poured out. But the Nazis came out. after Jesus. Where are you going with this? Well, if, if Jesus came and did, you know, took all that on, the Nazis came after Jesus. Okay, so, well, hold on, so hold on. So, do we need Christ 2.0? No, no. So, so let me finish the thought. So, so this is a logical solution to the problem because God's justice is poured out on Jesus. Sin is punished. It doesn't go unpunished. It doesn't just God kind of winks at it, forgives, forgives it, and ignores it. It is punished on Jesus. Mm. But because Jesus has taken that on himself, now we can be reconciled to God. But, and the reason I would say the reason you pick Christianity instead of just trying to be a good person is because I don't think being a good person gets you into heaven. Okay. Because it, no matter how much good you do, it will never erase the bad you've done. It's mm-hmm. not like Hitler could have gotten into heaven if he had just volunteered enough soup kitchens, to use Frank Turek's analogy. right? So I would say the only logical solution to get to God is to go through Jesus, is to accept the sacrifice. Because he's, he's died for everybody. He took the punishment. Your sins, your sins, my sins, on himself mm-hmm. so that we can be reconciled to God. And so, so that would be my pitch is that's why. And, and you, don't, you don't have to... It's, it's hard for people. I get it. I really do because, you know, you look at religious fanatics all over the world. You look, you, you, it's easy to look at a church from the outside and see how people behave. I even do it inside church sometimes. I'm like, you know, it can get a little wild here sometimes. You, you never know what's genuine and what's not. But I would say you can ignore that. And what really matters is your personal relationship with Jesus. If you call out to God, you know, the Bible promises if you call out to God, he will meet you. He will come to you. So and does, so, that, does that mean everybody that died before Jesus went to hell? No, because the 
if you look at the Old Testament, kind of what's leading up is there is a promise for a Messiah to people like Abraham and like Moses. And so, so as long as they would, they didn't know Jesus. Now, I want to separate two things. This doesn't mean that they were saved apart from Jesus, right? What this means is that Jesus' sacrifice was retroactive on those people because they put their faith in the one true God and in the promise of the Messiah who was to come and redeem them. So that's a good question, yeah. But that, that would be my pitch, just on a logical sense. Uh, I don't see another so, solution to sin. I mean, I mean, that, I understand that, if, but my problem is that died, still goes based off of fear. Yeah. Well, not only no, that, but if Jesus dies to observe all sin, well, no, what you're pretty much saying is that what? Hitler went to heaven. No, Hitler didn't. <laughs> um, no, that's not what I mean, he, he might have had a death kit bed. No, he didn't. He's saying that took all the sin on his back. No, no, he just explained, though, that, that uh, Ooh, this gets he just explained that Hitler committed the okay, sin that would never be forgiven. All right, so if somebody didn't commit the sin that would never be forgiven and then still murdered that many people. And he acts with forgiveness. Wait, 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 hold on. No, no, you're asking fair questions, but it's parsed out a couple different things. So. So the, the punishment was taken on Jesus, right? But you, you have to accept that so that it can be applied to you, mm-hmm. right? The, the promise in the New Testament is that when we get to heaven and God looks at us, he can say, you're guilty of X, Y, Z sins, you're going to hell. Or he can look at us and say, you're justified, you're forgiven because of Christ. And so we have to accept what Christ has done for us so that when God looks at us, that Jesus' righteousness is impugned over to us and we're seen as guiltless in front of God. But it's only because we've accepted Jesus. So what Jesus did justified everybody, but we have to accept that in order to actually be able, for that to be applied to us in heaven. Yeah, but what if Hitler accepted Jesus right before he died? No, but he also committed right. the what sin. What if a Hitler-esque person who didn't do things in the name of God? <laughs> so I would say all sin was taken on Jesus. And... Look, it's it's really easy to look at ourselves, or to look at Hitler and 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 and, and do a moral comparison, right? <laughs> so, like what, what people very often do, right? Okay, so they have this kind, of, this line is this line is <laughs> like the uh, like the uh, oh man, the nutrition chart. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I had in front of me. Frank Turek actually All does right, a great. This is good. This is eh. Uh, no, just well, like, forgive you. There's like Hitler, Hitler. <laughs> there's Hitler murdering like six million people. And then there's like, oh, Genghis Khan. And then it like trickles all the way down to someone who just killed one person. <laughs> so so Frank Turk does this in his seminars. I really like it. He has a PowerPoint slide for it. And so he has God up here at the top mm-hmm. representing this this uh, vertical. Am I saying that right? No, vertical is up and horizontal, down. This horizontal line yeah. right up at the top. And then on the bottom he has all these pictures. And he goes, okay, you put Mother Teresa, the moral giant, on one end. And you put Hitler, the moral midget, on the other end. Mm-hmm. Right? Now criminals. Whoa, hold on, hold on. The moral small person. Keep going. Oh my god. The more. Yeah, I said, <laughs> <going. Just> <laughs> okay, so now criminals, they go next to Hitler. They're not quite as bad as Hitler, but they're pretty bad. Of course, now our picture, this goes right next to Mother Teresa's. We're not quite as good as Mother Teresa, but we're pretty good. Then, kind of our neighbors, who, who we know they're kind of up to no good, well, now they're in the middle, right? And then we kind of arbitrarily draw this line up and down, and we go, okay, those are the bad people, they're going to hell. Here's the good people, also Mother Teresa, we're going to heaven. The problem is, that's not the way the moral line runs, it, it runs directly under God. All of us fall short. God is the standard of perfection. He is the standard of, and Jesus lived a perfect life. That is the standard of what it takes to get you into heaven apart from Jesus is to live a perfect life. All of Didn't this he do some things between the age of like 12 and 32? 
This guy. Now you see. Remember we discussed before the Gnostic Gospels, the things that were, that were written in the yeah. second century. Those weren't accepted by the church. Those were accepted. Those were yeah. proved as forgeries. I wonder why they weren't accepted. Again, oh, this makes us look bad. Uh, no, well, again, no. that, well, that's that's the theory some people Jesus have. Jesus is like seven years old. Bro. I would I would argue if you look at the history, they weren't rejected because of their theology. They were rejected because they weren't written by eyewitnesses. They weren't written by people who knew Jesus. I mean, nobody like can recount like oh. Little Hitler at the age of 10. Jesus. This is like, nobody was documenting his life at the age of 10 because no one knew Hitler was going to be Hitler. Yeah, it's fair. But I don't, hey, there's a pin right there. I don't see how that comes, that applies to a gospel that was written well, 100 years after yeah. all the move, disciples move of Jesus. Well, no, I'm just saying that there are things where it says that like Jesus acted up in a temple and all this move, other stuff. Yeah, move and I'm, 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 those, those came over 100 years later. He gave, he gave you a rebuttal there's, there's no <laughs> But I would, so to come back to the... It's really hard to conceive of Hitler having a death bed conversion and then us going to heaven and seeing him there. That's really hard to conceive of. But I would say, look, don't, don't, don't be so thinking that we're deserving of forgiveness and, that, and don't be so underestimating of the power of Jesus' sacrifice that he could save even Hitler, even the most monstrous person we can think of. Don't be underestimating the power of Jesus that he can... He, he did take that on himself. So, do you have anything more? Do you want to close up? Yeah, so, I mean, you were made... So you're talking about, like, how God created everything. Um, do you think it's, cranced, like, a chance that God just created everything and then just dipped out and went to go create something else? So, is it supernatural? Hold on. No, I mean, like... Go ahead. So, so this is, that's, that's, that's the term deism. That's a yeah. deistic God. It's kind of a God who creates the universe and then just kind of lets it be. Yeah. So... Well, I would say everything we've discussed, if, if Jesus really was who he claimed to be, well, then there goes that theory. That Jesus shows that God isn't just kind of distant to his creation, that he really does care about it, he really does enter. But, but even if you leave Jesus, there are certain arguments um, that would take a bit of time to, to outline, like the argument from change. So there's a book by Edward Faser called Five Proofs for the Existence of God. And so, like the argument from, from change, it's a really technical argument, but... It, it shows that not only do you need a first cause, but you need an explanation, an ultimate explanation for why anything exists here and now. And so, if if whatever this ultimate cause of things isn't currently active, then the universe would just fall apart. So I, I like the the analogy Frank Turek gives, which is, God is to the universe what a band is to music. So long as a band is continually playing, it's sustain, it's creating and sustaining the music simultaneously. But if the band were to stop playing, the music would be done; it would go away. And that's the kind of the relationship God has with the universe. He, he creates it, and he's currently sustaining it, holding it all together. That's why science works. That's why all the natural laws behave so consistently, that it's not just craziness and just, you know, yeah, but particles flying apart. From dead bands. Hold on. So if God left, we would like gravity wouldn't exist? I, I think the universe would pretty much, yeah, collapse on. It would just, it would, I, I oh, can't predict like exactly what would happen. Like I mean, oxygen, maybe. I think, just like, I mean, all I think the suns die. That, that's he a, didn't pay his oxygen bill, so we're going to die. That, that's part of the fine-tuning argument, is you, if you look at all the complicated intricacies of just, even even if you just type a, what's the word for it? Unitarian perspective. If you just look at how consistent the natural laws are, how consistent things like gravity are, that that is evidence for it being holding it together, not just one who creates it and then just kind of lets it, Go off frantically. So while I understand that you aren't necessarily a, a science person, I guess, like you don't feel like science is necessarily reality, right? Well, I don't, well, you have to refer, I'm not anti-science in any sense. No, no, I get that. But what I mean is <laughs> science doesn't create your laws to reality for you. 
I would say science is a tool we use to understand reality. Right. That's what I'm, basically is what I'm saying. Yeah. Right. So this goes to me not believing in books. So do you believe what science says about, I say, other galaxies and other planets? It depends on what you mean. If you're talking about things we can actually test, yes. If we're talking about things like the multiverse, which is completely in the realm of hypothesis and can't be tested, then no. No, what I mean is... So why would you believe in God but not the multiverse? Well, I think... Well, because I think the Kalam cosmological argument, that's, that, that, that's actual evidence that there is something that created the universe. The moral argument is, is evidence that whatever this thing is has to be a person, right? Because you don't have moral obligations to things. You only have moral obligations well, to But what people. if God is just making universes and like he yeah. fucked up on the other ones? Or they still well, developing and we the one that's well, just like, like, you, know, you have rough drafts, multiple writings or things. But God is perfect. So I would say I would say we have philosophical arguments that lead to the conclusion of a God. We don't have anything like that for a multiverse. Gotcha. It's, 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 it's just a hypothesis and we, we can't get to them to test them. Yeah. I just think maybe it's true. That, that that's fine. I, I, I have it. It's in the realm of logical possibility. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. What I mean is, yet. though, like, what, what about when we start talking about, or when science starts talking about the gravity that's on another planet, or the lack of gravity that's on another planet, or conversations like the moon landing and so forth. When science starts telling you these things that, to my opinion, can easily be fabricated. Well, so let me parse out a couple things. So Frank Turk often says this, which is science doesn't say anything scientists do. Right. And so, yeah, science is a really useful too. People can lie. People can have motivations. People can fabricate things. People can fudge the data. And so you, you do got to take all that into context mm-hmm. when like talking about this. the story of the resurrection. Got <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, now. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I enjoy it. That's good. That's all. I honestly, it was just a question. That's all it was. Yeah, no. I, I think science is a really useful tool because I don't think it's the ultimate foundation of reality. Gotcha. I think that is something metaphysically necessary, which is God. Oh, are we done? Oh, I don't know. Don't I, 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 thought, I thought you were still going. No, nah, was, uh, that was it. He answered exactly how it is. That's the ontological argument. That would take a little bit more to outline. If you, if you guys are getting tired, we don't have to. Uh, no. Not right now. I actually want you to come back on at some point. Okay. I, I but if he to. still has questions for right now. No, I'm good for now. Oh, shit. All right. I mean, oh, snap. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you have anything else you wanted to cover? Um, I mean, I mean, I... I not, I mean, um, yeah, we might want to cut it off before I say something too stupid. <laughs> oh, I mean, actually, I, I could always get into so I guess ontological argument. That's one. The one thing that I do have is just to kind of confirm when you're in defense of Christianity, you're talking about the actual like existence of Christianity, not like the perception in society. So what I'm hoping is that to provide evidence that it is actually true, that it, that is the way reality is. Yeah that it can be seen as an intellectually viable option. Right. Not, not so much the integrity within society's viewpoint, like viewpoints. Well, technically, isn't it not connected? So, like, for example, like, you can believe Christianity exists or you can believe like, the other religions, but, for example, in society right now, because of Westboro Baptist Church, because of neo-Nazis, because of um, uh, like white supremacy, because of a lot of different organizations using Christianity as kind of their flag to do evil under. Um, but the problem, like, that's the reason it's the unforgivable sin. Because think of it: a man who kills someone in the name of God 
has done a worse crime than someone who's just killed the someone because they Christian? now they've now given everyone else an example of hey well look 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 what but, so I mean so he technically he no, he would say he's Christian but he's not a Christian correct. so for example. When it when like the Baltimore riots were happening, a lot of people tried to pin like the people that oh, were doing so like when the Baltimore riots were happening. Okay. And not the actual like this is the like the purpose of the parade and everything like that, but when like it was just a bunch of rambunctious people not even like the organized riots they where they're attacking specific areas. But, like, like some people just doing like random shit off on the side. Like they tried to pin it on Black Lives Matter, yeah, they tried to connect it to Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Westboro Baptist Church try connects themselves to Christianity, even though they don't follow the Christian code. Like for at least from what I understand of Christianity, yeah, they're not would, very Christian-like. Yeah, but, I'd, I'd but they say still if you fly know, under the flag wants to know of Christianity. Christian is read the New Testament. Don't go by what people Correct. in society are doing. But so when you're saying that you're defending Christianity, you're defending the inte- intellectual existence of Christianity, not the social perception of whether or not Christianity is healthy or no. unhealthy. I mean, I certainly wouldn't be defending any anybody that looks like the Westboro Baptist Church or right. radicals or things he like would that. Yeah. I, I would like to say, here, maybe I could say, I, I defend mere Christianity, what C.S. Yeah. Lewis called mere Christianity, which is it's just the very core beliefs that you would get if you read right. the New Testament. Okay. Same as I had a conversation with right. someone. About. I was just trying to say, isn't, you have nothing to do with, like, denouncing the Westboro Baptist Church, like, trying to denounce Westboro Baptist Church of being Christians because they don't actually tie with Christian terms. You're just most, exactly. mostly focused on the actual existence of Christianity. Yeah, yeah, well, the truth of it. Okay. I, I think it's actually true, and I think it's histor- I think it's historically true. I mean, Jesus, they're... No, no, hold on, because Jesse's <laughs> asking you, like, six questions in one. <laughs> and the problem is he's, like, covering up stuff, but he doesn't realize that he's answering it. You're answering his question without him asking you that question. So That's you right. asking well, him maybe I, maybe yeah. I can Maybe I can say it more clearly. I think Christianity is true. I think there is a God. Yes. It's not us. I hold think... On. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Because... <laughs> Logically, what he asked you are is, are you defending against the people like what was the place? Called? Well, I'm talking yes, about. Like, hold on, hold on, stop explaining. I would say anybody who takes it out of context and does evil in God's name is wrong. Do you so? In that case, you do you consider them still Christian? No, I would say. Well, here's the thing. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna be careful. What what qualifies you as a Christian is the thing that only you as an individual can know. Only okay. you as an individual can truly know if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Right now, of course, Jesus also said, "By their fruits and you shall know them." Right. So if someone is going and killing in Jesus' name, if, if the Westboro Baptist Church is holding up a sign saying "God hates fags," and now you think your friend who's a homosexual can't get into heaven, they've done now evil in God's name. And so, if by their fruits you shall know them. Well, by their fruits, we can judge and say, okay, probably not a Christian. All right, give me one second. He said the F word, but he did not mean it in any slur against anyone. Well, he was just... He was just... I'm just making sure that it's documented that that's what he was doing. I really appreciate that. And that, that everyone can take that that yes, way. Yes, do not take it right. out of context. I was so, quoting a hateful sign. Now, to answer what Jesse is saying, yes... No, so <laughs> no, 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 because that's what you do. Because no, no. he, he's he asked you like, okay, so are you de- are you are you denouncing their Christianity? And you're saying like, no, because I feel like how how I you're explaining say, it is I not can't your get in right. Their head. But at the same time, Jesus did say, by their fruits, you shall know them. And so if someone does evil in the name of God, it, we can, so, we are allowed to judge. By the, let, me, let me dispel one other myth that this might be getting to, which is that Jesus said not to judge. Jesus, Jesus didn't say judge, did not to judge. He said, judge not, lest he be judged. By the same standard you judge others, you will be judged by. So before you complain about or take the speck out of your brother's eye, take the log out of your own eye first. So Jesus is saying, 
to judge. He's saying to take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's just saying, get the log out of your own eye first, get the problem out of your life first, and now you're not judging hypocritically. Jesus said to judge, just not to do it hypocritically. So as long as we're not being hypocrites, we are allowed to judge somebody else and say, okay, by based on their actions, I don't think they have a relationship with Christ. So I wasn't going to say that based off of the theory, but I was going to say in general, from how you're answering the question is, it's not your place to decide if they're a Christian or not. But what you are saying, I can make a judgment. you can, but you're saying that it's not just how you explain, you well, know, the Christians. Here's the thing. If we look at all the members of the Western Baptist Church and say they're going off and doing some kind of really hateful parade or whatever, we don't know that maybe there isn't somebody, some young person in a family who just goes to that church because their parents tell them to, they're too young, they're too young to rebel yet. And maybe they really want a relationship with Christ. And so we want, we do want to kind of be careful in that sense to not judge an individual based on the group's actions. Then again, so wait, let me just give me a second. Let me just get this out and then y'all can, can finish what y'all saying and then we can wrap up. So from what he's asking you is, do you denounce them as Christians? How you begin to answer it is essentially to say, it's not my place to decide if you're a Christian well, or not, it's me, you. Let, it's, let it's me in say why I'm, I'm hesitant towards the answer. I am kind of deflecting the question a little bit. The reason is because I don't like any uh, any ideology that puts group identity before the individual identity. I think individual always comes first. That's one of the big problems I have with identity politics, which is a whole other issue, mm -hmm. is because it says the it says your group identity is more important than your individual identity. Okay. So I want to be careful by saying that oh the Westboro Baptist Church isn't Christians. I I don't want to be judging individuals based on a group identity. You gotta let me finish. Okay, fair enough. I was just trying to make. <laughs> I was trying to make it clear why I why I'm I, I am deflecting you're right, oh, I, I am deflecting the question a little bit. And that's the reason is because I'm hesitant to judge an individual based on a group. Just like if I were to judge you based on all black people. No, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> I no, I appreciate it. I'm about to yeah, explain that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, ultimately your answer was in a way to say that it's not my place to judge them. Right? Well, because I can't know what it, what is going on in the specific individual. I got time. you. Let me finish what I'm saying. Your place was to explain that it's not my place to decide if you are a Christian or not, right? But what you begin to explain is the actions that are taken are not Christian. Yes. That's the... I tried, I've been trying to say that shit for Matt Long. I'm sorry. Like, well, I'm really sorry. It was just because when you started on a premise and I felt like I kind of disagreed with the way you were describing my view, I didn't want to keep building on it. I got you. I wanted to make sure it was clear got before you. we it's built fine. on it. So... And so Jesse, be more clear with your question, because right. he's, he's like flipping and folding you into He's just saying just shit right now. No, go ahead. So what I'm saying is, you're, what you're defending is the actual uh, potential. Jesus, and, yeah, that. yeah, is that is that Christianity can be factual or that Christianity is true to you. You're not so much worried about you know the image of Christianity. You're more worried Why? about the belief I mean, of it. So, for example, but like, both I, would, I mean, I would say my area of study and what I what I physically do on my YouTube channel, you're right, isn't necessarily to affect the culture culture's perception of it. I mean, apart from seeing it as an intellectually viable option, I mean, obviously, I I don't I'm not indifferent to ways certain sects might misrepresent it. I'm not indifferent to that. I think it's terrible. Yeah. I want people to look at Christian. I will. I mean, in a perfect world, people would look at Christianity and say. Ah, uh, now that's something I want to be a part of, you know. And you you can make the argument that with certain sects like the Westboro Baptists, that that's not the case. And so, they're giving people like me a bad name. And so, yeah, I, I don't want any part of that. Right. 
So, I mean, it's not, that's not... He, 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 they go one and one. Correct. So, so like, I mean, sure. Like, yeah. So, ultimately, he's giving you the facts of Christianity, and then once you take the facts from Christianity, you yourself as an intelligent person should come to the understanding that the shit that you don't believe or that you don't like about Christianity... That the people using Christianity as a shield aren't Christians. Right. Correct. Okay. That's basically it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a pretty fair point. Okay. Did you want to go on the? Uh, you be you, you've been using vocabulary words that just aren't in my brain. I, <laughs> <laughs> we'll so, get your dictionary for the next show. Ah, uh, that ain't gonna help. You said you oh, had. Said this word. <laughs> gotcha, fam. You said you wanted to go over the. Oh, we don't have to. I mean, I, I thought it might come up. I was prepared if it came up. The ontological argument. Um, it might at this point be kind of. Going overboard when if if we're getting intellectually tired, I I don't know about you guys. I mean, I'm fine, but did you want to separate it to two point so and make it its own discussion? Well, let's do it at another day. Yeah, okay. Because I don't even know what well, you so just yeah, said. Start out next time with the so the ontological argument. I'll just give I'll give you guys a hint of it. So in, in case your viewers are interested, coming up. By the way, you guys time. are going to get. I don't know what your viewership is like, and I don't yeah. know if people can comment on your stuff. You're going to get a, probably a lot of people saying, he doesn't know, he has no clue what he's talking about, about Jesus, isn't That's it? fine. They lied. The, the you Bible don't know Jesus. The Bible isn't trustworthy, all this stuff. Um, so, so just to tease the ontological argument, that the, the, the goal of the ontological argument is just to show that if it's even possible that God exists, then it follows logically that God exists. Okay. Just, just, oh, just okay, yes, yeah, you said Okay, I had to stop, like, you just said the same thing two times, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got you to say it. All right, that's interesting. All right, so let's save that. Uh, you have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, my, my, so, so my Twitter is Stelman Smith, at Stelman Smith Jr. There's no spaces in that, so Stelman is S-T-E-L-M-A-N, Smith Jr. Right. Um, YouTube is the Unapologetic Apologists, plural with an S at the end, mm-hmm. and those are separate words. And, um, yeah. The, the YouTube channel, if, you, if people could put subscribe to there, that'd be the best way to support we, me. I appreciate it. Got you. Uh, we're still state of bullshit on, well, no, my apologies. We actually are, are changing a bit. It's state of BS on Instagram. Damn. Uh, it's T-S-O-B-S podcast. Modernizing, reducing them characters. On Facebook. Uh, Twitter is still state of bullshit as of right now, but that will be changing to state of BS soon. Uh, we still on SoundCloud, state of bullshit podcast. Uh, I am Young God Gabe or at Young God Gabe on Twitter and Instagram. I think I'm Ray Dawes on Instagram. Jesse does not do social media. I do social media. He I does do, Facebook. I do memes. He does I Facebook. I do memes. And he just tweets shit all I this. just share the quality memes. This has been the State of Bullshit Podcast. We appreciate you listening with us. Uh, we want everyone to be as safe as possible. Always read everything you sign and always listen to everything three times before you agree to it. Be safe. Okay, bye.